Welcome back to Weeb Weekly, an anime podcast diving into all of the news you need to know from the weeby world and perhaps slightly beyond. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Reese, and I'm joined as always by the man with a million figurines, Steve the Save Point Cosplayer. Listeners, you're in for a treat tonight. We have a lot of movie news to go through. We got a, a great review coming up, and I just can't wait to dive into all this. Ooh, I cannot wait to talk me some Mugen Train. Ooh, I cannot wait. What a ride that was. No pun intended. Yeah, well, I mean, I want to dive into it now, but we can't. We have to respect the structure of the show. It's our podcast, Steve. We can do whatever we want. We want to take this bad boy off the rails? Pun completely intended that time. <laughs> That's going to cost you a lot later. <laughs> Well, then I will just kick it into some housekeeping. Of course, you can find a new episode of Weeb Weekly every single week at Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern. We are currently streaming on all of the podcast apps, every fucking one of them people. So get out there. I'm feeling hot right now, Steve. I'm feeling spicy tonight, okay? And you can, of course, find us there, and you can be sure to please subscribe, please review, please download, and please give us a listen so that we can, of course, keep that algorithm happy and keep bringing you that weeby goodness each and every week. Listener no, Joe had a chicken and pepper sandwich right before recording this, and I think those peppers are really catching in right now. I got my energy, Steve. I got my I got the the energy of the foods. Isn't that what happens? That's what happens in food wars, right? Uh, do you No, I mean, you just take off your clothes and, you know, become really sexualized. That's basically what happens. I can take off my clothes wars. right now. Listeners, this you're I'm sorry this isn't a visual podcast cuz I could take my pants off right now. I mean, if we been on YouTube or something, I mean, we have to do it on there. <laughs> Oh boy, Steve, this is gonna be a this is gonna be it's a gonna wild be one of those ride. episodes. It's gonna be one of those episodes. You gotta have them. You gotta bring the energy. You gotta bring the energy. You know. All right, fine. Take me away from this. You've got some interesting things on your sort of you know sort of here's what we're talking about at the beginning of the show type of things. Right off the bat, boom, number one on the dock. Oh, they're all just racist. What is this about, Steve? So this is just um, me catching up on the. Show 86, where, you know, if you remember at the beginning of this show, or actually the beginning of this season, rather, I, you know, saw the first episode of this, and I'm like, how does this world exist where there is a separate, let's say, state or province in this country that is fighting the war on the behalf of this republic, and no one's aware of this in terms of, oh, there's been no casualties, we're doing just fine with this war. Oh, it's revealed later that the people kind of do know, except uh, the crux of the story is, is that all of the white-haired people essentially are the good people, and everyone else who has non-white hair is sent to fight in the war of this uh, San Magnolia Republic. So, you know, with that, I mean, it's it's interesting to see how this will play out if there is going to be maybe our main character, the handler. I think you saw the first, did you see the first episode of this show? I have watched none of 86. Okay. So the commander who we know, uh, it's called the handler. Uh, this character's name is, uh, Vadlena. 
Uh, she's white now. Now it makes sense if you're like, oh yeah, all of her friends also in the capital have white hair. You just never noticed it until now. Um, if she's going to maybe side with the our basically our ace pilots in the field attacking because she definitely have forms a connection with her pilots. And what I have to say, what's really interesting about this show is that. You do have her calling in basically via radio to talk with uh, her unit she's leading. Obviously, like, you know, she's like hundreds of miles away in the, you know, the pristine capital while, you know, the unit's fighting in the in the trenches and in, in the dirt. But what they do, uh, what the, uh, the show does is that it does a juxtaposition sometimes where you get a repeat of the same scene and conversation, but from the other other characters side as in if they're talking about a cat and like oh i hear you have a cat i wonder what the name is and it's like you know just trying to make small talk but then a little bit later the same conversation is repeated but on the other side and you get to see what everyone's doing like oh they're actually making food at this time and they're actually talking about the cat then and you know they're talking about like other types of pets and where what their dreams are so i i do like that interesting juxtaposition because they know they're far away from each other and you have that distance of time trying to say that like one one place has a very unique very posh interior while the other people are very dingy and grungy and it's just that like the haves and have nots types of uh, atmosphere so i do like that but yeah at the end of the day yeah the reason why the country is okay with everyone fighting and there's no casualties quotation mark because they're all racist and they, they view all the people who are fighting the wars as not even human so clearly there are no casualties if if they're not even human that sounds interesting actually i like the yeah i like that back and forth you were describing how many episodes have there been so far there's been three episodes so far I think it's gonna be twelve. Okay, that's what I was. That's what I was wondering. So, so you've done three episodes mm-hmm. now, Steve. We know the rule. Are you gonna totally stick with, gonna stick with it? Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Maybe I'll, I'll have to check it, it out. You there. actually, you'd be surprised. I, it's a little bit of Horizon Zero Dawn in it too. Fighting robots. They're fighting robots, and it it is a, a war of attrition because their neighbor country went like they developed robots and they went rogue. And apparently they have like an eight year like battery lifespan, so they just have to hold out until theoretically the battery has run out. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That's pretty cool. Well, Steve, anime is dead. And news to me was since we saw some anime over <laughs> the weekend. <laughs> anime is dead, Steve, and Naoki Urasawa killed it. Manga forever. I have joined the ranks. Let's go to the book. No, I don't believe you until you start reading One Piece in its entirety and catch up via that way. I'm just saying it's going to happen sooner rather than later. I've been having those thoughts, Steve. Have no fear. Uh, I started watch- I started watching as I talk about manga. I started reading Pluto this week, which is another another Naoki Urasawa book who I've been raving about, Monster, 20th Century Boys, Mujirushi that I talked about many, many weeks ago. Yeah. Do you know much about Pluto? I've heard of it, oh which God. I don't read much manga, so I, that actually is saying something that I've heard of it. I mean, that's how good, I mean, that's how high esteem Naoki Urasawa is, is really held in, is that, yeah, he just... Not many of his properties have been really turned into anime. I believe Monster is about the only one. Maybe maybe some of his earlier stuff, but certainly not 20th Century Boys, which is often put up as one of his greats, and then Pluto's also put up as one of his greats. This is crazy. Sell me on it. So 
it's a reworking and a reimagining of Astro Boy. Okay. And it's from one specific story that you might want to look up called The Greatest Robot Ever, or The Greatest Robot in the World, something along those lines, which is a specific arc and is often put up as being a lot of people's favorite arcs of Astro Boy, one of the best Astro Boy arcs out there. And that story is very old school shonen action story. There's this evil sultan who's been exiled from his kingdom, and he builds this robot to destroy all of the other most powerful robots in the world. There are like the seven most powerful robots, and he builds this robot to destroy them so that it has the moniker of greatest robot in the world, strongest robot in the world, so that he gets the renown for having this robot. Astro Boy being one of the seven most powerful robots in the world. So that's how he gets roped in on that to fight. So the whole story is basically like this this robot, Pluto, is the name of the robot. Haha, ha, there you go. Um, and he has to, he's going around and killing all these other robots. He's destroying these other robots. We see him take out one by one each of these other robots until eventually he comes into contact with Astro Boy and they fight, but also through, he meets Astro's sister. He kind of learns a little bit about humanity and kind of becomes a little bit of a good guy by the end of it. But we have seen him like kill all of these other robots across the story. So Pluto, Naoki Urasawa's story, reworks this as a murder mystery. So it takes Oh really? It takes this minor character from the from the original story Gazikt and he's one of the robots. He's this detective robot from Switzerland, Germany. Europe. It says Germany. I'm, Europe. I'm looking at the thing. It Germany, says Germany, Germany. And so I think I think he's not quite from Germany in in Urasawa's work. So it, he is he's just a minor character who shows up, talks to Astro for a second, is just like, I'm going to solve this case. I'm going to f- beat Pluto. Have, I'm going to arrest him. Have no fear. Pluto wipes the floor with him. He's dead in like two pages. But in this story, he's a Europol detective who stumbles into one of he stumbles into one of the robots from the original story has just been killed and no one knows who did it. And then there's this p- parallel murder of this human who's like a robot rights activist who's also been killed and they both have horns protruding from their from their heads from their corpses that have been placed there and Pluto the robot has these massive horns so that's just imagery that if you know from Astro Boy you're very much like oh I I see where this is going so I'm not too far in it yet I'm only like 10 chapters in it's like 60 chapters long but he's met Astro we have met Astro Boy he is in this book and he is completely different and way more realistic than any other Astro Boy I've ever seen. It is wild, though. But just the way that he has framed this and reworked this, and it's still so familiar, but it is a completely grounded, gritty tone. People are dying all over the place. It's awesome. It's also pretty recent, too. Looking at two, it went, ran from 2004 to 2010, actually, which is where it looks like yeah. the last chapter went out. Yeah, it was done with conjunction i want to get the details right on this i believe it was done with the 50th anniversary of of astro boy was happening and he got the rights from the osamu tezuka estate and worked with his son worked with tezuka's son 
looking looking at this, I think I would really enjoy this. I like I like the, the murder mystery angle with it. That's where you sold me on it. I'm interested to see where it goes because it's very much not a murder mystery, and they I mean you know who the bad guys are from the get go. So I wonder how much he's gonna hew towards sticking with the idea of I, I, I the way he set it up. I can't imagine there's some like maniacal dictator who's been exiled from his land who's doing all of this it seems like there's something deeper going on than that so i'm i'm super curious to see where this goes i love it so far what what uh what book are you on right now i'm in the middle of the second volume but you got a lot to go it's one of his shorter ones to be fair it's like 60 something chapters 65 i read, 65. I read 249 <laughs> chapters of 20th century boys man how, I, I'm ready. how many how many cha- how many how many chapters was shibuya goldfish Oh uh, well, Shibuya Goldfish. I think there's like four chapters. They're pretty long. For so they're like fifty something pages long each chapter, fifty sixty pages. So there's like four per volume. I've read eight volumes, so really only like twenty four, twenty five chapters so far. Volume nine in May. Well, well, yeah, I May. guess you've heard. Anime's dead. Only only reading manga right now. I'm coming for you, Oda. I'm coming for you, Luffy. I'm just looking at the one collection I have right here is just Welcome to the Ballroom. I just love that. I show so much. I actually went back and read the manga. I have it all here. I know it's so weird. Like, why this one? Maybe it's because I used to do ballroom dancing. How many volumes is Welcome to the Ballroom? I think it's like seven. I know the uh, author has been sick for a while and it's been put on hiatus or pause and the reason why I picked it up is because I love the anime so much is I wanted to, you know, if you love it so much, like, oh, go back to the original source material. Go on to read the manga, you weeb, which I did. Thank you very much. And the manga goes a little bit far. So this is weird. I feel like it doesn't really happen. The anime goes farther than the manga, actually, probably because uh, of the, the illness or sickness that they had to, like, finish the show and probably had the notes of what it would have done being a being completed. So I'm in that weird quandary where the anime's farther than the manga, but it's pretty close. But like it's basically like the end of like the second competition, main competition they're doing. And if you read the manga, you don't know who wins, but if you watch the anime, you do know who wins. Mm. Weird. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Huh. Hey, it happens. Reminds me of uh was it? I guess the only a parallel would be Game of Thrones. Book's not finished, but the show finished. Welcome to the ballroom, the Game of Thrones <laughs> of anime. The Game of Thrones of, of Japanese properties. I am sure it's actually rated better than the last episode of Game of Thrones. Oh, oh, ouch. Ouch. Yeah. ouch. But you di- you're digging Funimation, it looks like, Steve. It seems like you might, you might actually be pro-Funimation today. There is breaking news. Funimation did a complete overhaul of their app so much that they actually put out like literally a press release like guys we fixed our app and everything and I used it today to watch uh, the VV and Fluorite's uh, eyes and I have to say they fixed the subtitles actually plethora of subtitle options so much Crunchyroll you're on notice now. Whoa! I know. <laughs> they are so they gave they have so many options on their app for like the how big and small you want, the background, how 
like bold or not. And I'm like, wow, this is everything I've always wanted. Crunchyroll, get your act together or we're coming for you. and We're going to fire everyone there when we take over your company. Like, I'm not saying that you should take credit for this, Steve. It, I'm taking credit for it. But they I knew. think I think we should assume that Funimation is listening. Yeah, they, 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 they feared the hostile takeover of Weeb Weekly, and they're like, we cannot let this happen. We have to appease them. So I was uh, so good on you, Funimation, for actually updating your app to uh, 2010 standards. <laughs> uh, but with that, I was watching Vivi uh, Flori Eyes, and you wanted me to spo- spoil a little bit. I know we talked a little bit before we were recording it, but... After the first two episodes, they basically, uh, if you're not familiar with the show, I'd say go back to the previous episode that we talked about some of the anime for spring. But they at first stopped the that, that AI law being passed. They saved that guy. Yes. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Give me a light. Give me a light. You know where light. of where the show's going don't don't spoil any of the story details no. but like what's the what's like the light sort of thrust the, of where this is going the next? third episode takes 15 years later that's exactly i'll stop right there that's exactly what i wanted this show to be after and that v- yeah keep going keep going yeah vivi has not seen uh matsumoto the bear in 15 years and then he shows up and it's like it's time for the next singularity this is the next inflection point in history to stop the robots from taking over, and this is the thing you have to stop. And she's like, I haven't seen you in 15 years. She's like, yeah, well, you didn't need me in 15 years. Now it is. Because he said, literally, this is a 900-year journey. That's exactly that first episode. He was like, this is hundreds of years to get to it. And so, yeah, I wanted it to, like, give me big gaps in between episodes. That's awesome. So the fact that you say that actually makes me incredibly excited to keep watching this show. And and the only thing is that... uh, I think his name is uh, Hugo. Uh, that boy that is uh, that Vivi saves at the end of episode two. He's part of the, the 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 terrorist group that's trying to kill robots. He is also in this episode, just fifteen years older. So yeah, yeah, it it it's great. I was like, wow, this is really interesting. So I'm loving what this show is doing. That's awesome. I'm glad they committed to that because that is that's cool. That's unique. That's cool. I love that premise. I love that. I can't wait. Yeah, I will. I will gladly eat this show up by by next week then, because love that. Yeah. Also interesting. I don't think there's really an opening and ending of the show because they always do the whole like singing, because you know she's a, she's a song uh, she's a songstress. But there's still stuff happening in the show. You've seen that typically in anime where it's like the last episode of a show, and you're like, we gotta cram in everything, so we're gonna play the ending song while actually have stuff happening in the background. Every episode's like that. I'm like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Okay, you're going to do it for every single episode? Sure. Cram as much as you can in these 12 episodes. Or I think it's re- actually I think it's actually two seasons. I think it's going to be officially two seasons. Let me look that up. Studio Wit just gets to do whatever they want at this point. Let me see. Go from a crazy Ocean's Eleven heist show to a bonkers Westworld hundreds of years of Cyborg's life show. Come on. Come on, Studio Wit. I can't find it right now, but I feel like I read somewhere that it was for uh, two seasons. But it is getting a manga adaptation and a light novel as well because this is one of the rare shows not based on any property. That makes sense because created by the person who created ReZero, so I would imagine they would want to write some write some more material for it and write some light novels for it. But, uh, yeah, 
two thumbs up. Really enjoying it so far, what they're doing with the sci-fi uh, angle and how all-encompassing it is. I just have a question to end things off, Steve. Because I'll be honest, haven't watched much anime this week. Read a lot of manga. Just told you about that. But so that, that definitely counts as me fulfilling my weeby duties. Do, are we, do we only count anime and manga usually when we refer to someone as a weeb it's typically in the sort of they're an anime fan they're a manga fan sort of way does just consuming any media from japan classify as weeby i think so i mean what if i feel like if you're going to talk about persona 5 or the world ends with you those games i would say yeah that definitely falls into the category they're not yes i know there's anime but like they're based on the games first Oh, of course, of course. I'm more just saying, like, I've been reading a book of Murakami short stories. That count as weeby? Yeah. Okay, cool. Then I'm still a weeb, guys. I know I am. I'm sorry. I haven't watched much anime this week, but yeah, I got to chase where my heart leads me, and my heart was leading me to Urasawa and to Haruki Murakami. Oh, wow. You've just been doing a lot. You know, listen, you're a, you're a better man than me. I'm just watching some pictures go on on a screen right now with some beautiful colors while you're trying to nurture your brain and actually put it to good use by reading. I mean, we're going to talk about some beautiful colors here in a bit. Oh, man, were they gorgeous. But before that, let's talk about some movies that perhaps are coming out in the near future. This is the Weeb Week That Was. Oh, yeah. So heavy with movie news this week. First one up, and actually this movie is now, I believe, out in Japan. The Veroni Kenshin film teaser highlights Kenshin's Batosai days. If you're not familiar uh, with this, the three movies that Ke- that Veroni Kenshin has been, uh, the property has been adapted for, really don't showcase him in his uh, previous days as a, a killer during the Boshin War. And with that, we actually got a tease of that, and Tomoe, uh, the girl who um, unfortunately uh, dies and gives Kenshin that scar in this teaser of that, and I am so hyped for this movie, and I cannot wait. Everything that uh, Nobuhiro Watsuki has been doing and working with this movie has just come to life. Uh, That's the original uh, creator of Roni Kenshin. Um, with that too, the film has premiered on uh, April 23rd. It's been getting excellent reviews and I'm just jealous. I'm just jealous. This is the life we chose. This is the life we lead where, yeah, we have to sit here now and, and just listen as the news travels overseas. I mean, we had to do the same thing for Demon Slayer for so long, but yeah, we just got to wait. I feel like we have been getting a lot faster turnaround time on anime movies. This may be just like a, a segue into that as well in terms of properties coming out in Japan and then being released internationally. I think over time, especially since I'd say I don't know, 2010, 2012, we've been getting a faster turnaround time because before, if something came out in Japan, it'd be like, good luck of it ever appearing here at all. You've been getting any movie theater release. Now, now... No, we got like weathering with you. We got your name. We did get the Mugen Train movie pretty fast, comparatively to when they released in Japan. So with this, I mean, I remember the uh, the Kenshin films. I actually saw them 
at the uh, consulate in Japan. At, in, in Japan, oh my God, no, I wish. Uh, the consulate, the Japanese embassy in New York City near the UN. Um, bunch of weebs there. Did I tell you about that? No, that sounds oh crazy. Oh my God. Though. So I saw the first movie there and they did have their own, they have like a small stage, like theater, probably for like Kabuki theater and whatnot. But you know, they, they brought down their screen. I'm like, we're going to show the Kenshin movie full of fucking weebs. And I'll tell you, it was the most amazing time I've ever had a movie theater because everyone was there and knew the property and was like, like cheering. Like when Sonosuke comes up and is just destroying a chicken leg Everyone, that's the first thing we see him in jail, just eating a chicken leg. At, crowd's going wild. And I'm like, these are my people. <laughs> uh, but it was a great time. And the other two movies I had to purchase and watch at home, but they're still great. I, I don't think I caught, I don't think I looked up because maybe I just like wanted them so much and I wanted to purchase them myself. So I just bought them. But yeah, that was an amazing time. And I hope that this final movie also appears there too. I'll go see it again. Yeah, I feel like... I guess, yeah, if it's like a special event at the consulate. Because you're right. Definitely anime movies have had a much faster turnaround. Don't Still don't see a lot of live-action foreign films, especially Japanese films, getting theatrical releases unless they're like being propped up for since it just happened the other night uh if they're being propped up for oscar contention which nothing against Rurouni kenshin the final steve but i i I just have a feeling (laughs) that it's probably not going to be in the running for for best international feature at the at the oscars next year (laughs) no probably not and Man, Demon Slayer had its chance. If there was any any time during a coronavirus pandemic, not many movies out comparatively, this was the chance. Sally didn't have. I know we covered that before. Definitely deserved it. I, I we'll get into that. We'll get we'll For get into that. Anime, we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. We'll get into that. The second movie news we have is Madoka Magic getting a new sequel from 2013's Rebellion. The tenth anniversary online event for Pola Magica Maruka uh, anime revealed on Sunday the franchise is getting a new anime film uh, turning turning the tide of the Walpurgis which I believe are the if I remember Valpurgis. I know I haven't seen this in a while if I, I remember those are actually the the, 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 form, the formal name of the demons that they fight uh, the film is actually a official sequence of Part 3, Rebellion, that came out in 2013, and the tagline is now, let's continue the story. What makes this really newsworthy is Madoka Magica has been on ice for a long time. It is pretty much, I mean, I know I'm not, I don't think you've seen Madoka Mag- Magica. I've seen the show. Oh, you've seen the show? I've okay. seen the show, oh, yeah. Wow. I, wow, I feel bad. I'm like, oh, Joe hasn't seen this. He's not. He's not a real weeb. Dark, uh, dark, magical girl show. Of course, I've seen. This it was show. the first. I yes, I'm sure. If you go back, and I'm sure, please, please, like, write in. There's probably been some other dark magical girl anime before Madoka Magica, but this one was the one that actually made it popular and spawned so many other spinoffs. The first and second movies were basically recaps of the show. We've seen that actually very frequently 
uh, happens in anime where they would because I think even the Kogias, I believe, I think a few of the movies are just like recaps of the show. And uh, the third movie, Rebellion, was an actual sequel of the original series. And after that, it was like, is there anything happening with this property or anything? And 2013, that was another time. That's almost 10 years ago. We're in 2021 now. And now it's being brought back. I am really interested to see how they'll continue the story, how it'll be finished. And... I just hope everyone has a, a good. Even I know it's not gonna happen. <laughs> everyone has a good time. <laughs> everyone, I hope everyone has just like a good time and has a good ending and no one dies. That's save not that. Happen. Save that violin playing boy. No, it's, it's not happening. Oh god, I'm sorry, no. oh, Madoka. God. It's not. It's it's <laughs> bad times are are, are uh, on the horizon. QB is not gonna let you go. Oh, I do have some questions about this. Sure. Um, so I've only seen the show, have not seen the movies, any of them, Rebellion or the recap ones. Have you seen the movies? Uh, I have, man, I have seen the movies, but it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's been like seven, yeah, the first two I kind of, like, I, I, I saw them, but it was more like a passing because they were just recaps. Rebellion was uh, interesting. I don't want to spoil anything in case you actually want to go back to it. This might make me go back and watch. I might. I mean, it's been so long since I've seen the original show, too. Jeez, that's been. You can watch the movies to recap. That's what I was about to say. That's what I was about to say is that I should just watch the first two movies. It smacks very much. And I've always thought from afar that they sound very much like the, the Evangelion rebuilds to a certain extent. But are you saying the first two movies, are they like straight adaptations or are they Eva rebuild adaptations where there are some because I always thought there were like some slight changes in those. There are first some two. slight changes, some slight changes, but nothing drastic on the scale of the Evangelion rebuilds. No, okay, no, no, not 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 as that crazy. Sure. No, but then the third movie <clears throat> is a completely complete branching off from it, right? Yeah, it's it's almost like a new story where you have, uh, yeah. I mean, you're always playing with time travel and a lot of magic too. So, like, essentially, after uh, nightmares defeated, like Homona realizes that there's something wrong with their memories, and that her and Kyo- uh, Kyoko are trapped like in a fake city, essentially, which they which they quickly know it's like Homona's actual witch like labyrinth, and they have to like escape it and whatnot. So, uh, it, it's like a, it's almost like a. It is takes place after. The original series, but it's also more of a, you know, hour and a half long episode that just looks really pretty. So I guess, and I mean, and you said it's been such a long time since you've seen the movie. Did it feel like there was more story to tell? Yeah, yeah, there was a post-credit yeah, really? scene. Oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. oh wow. Yeah, okay. you put a post-credit scene there. I mean, that's, yeah, so it's like, okay. So this is a very much Evangelion rebuilds where we're taking a 10-year gap in between these this third and fourth movie. They're just, hey man, they're just, they're just like, hey, if it works for Eva, it works for us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the final, I think, area, image has like a pair of doors against the darkness and they've been bound shut with a ribbon tied with a bow and it's like about to come out. It's like, okay, something's going to be opening up there and we don't know. Until now, I guess. I'll have to go back and, and watch, I'll watch all three of them. I'll just watch the recap movies then. I, yeah, I love 
Madoka, though, I think it's always been something that I've like, Loved it. Held, held in high regard. And I think it's totally, totally warrants more people seeing it, more I, people getting eyes on it. I, I loved it so much, I actually did a gender bent cosplay of Sayaka. What? Yeah, I did. Where yeah, ba- based on based Where on artists. This? Yeah, I did. Uh, I mean, you're putting me on the spot. I'll have to, I'll have to show it to you after the show because I'm not gonna look up through my Facebook. But yeah, I loved it so much. I got a artist rendition of the male version of the custom. I know I got permission to do it, and I got a you know, custom commission because I loved it so much. It was great. Wow. Had a light up soul gem too. I got. I gotta see that. I gotta. See, I gotta <laughs> see this. I don't think you've seen all of my cosplays not. either. Certainly not. No. I'm sure there there are many I'll, out there that I that I've never seen. I have to find them. Oh yeah. They just keep revealing. You're like an onion, Steve. We just got to keep peeling back. <laughs> <laughs> Ogres have layers. <laughs> <laughs> the final movie to talk about today, the free franchise, has also revealed an all new film. In fact, two films. It's a two part final film extravaganza Kyoto Animation live streamed their video for the 8th anniversary of its free franchise and revealed on Monday that the all new anime film in the franchise is titled You Can't Make This Up You Can't Make This Up It's titled That's why it's, it's on titled here Free The Final Stroke The Final, final Stroke, stroke. <laughs> What could it mean? What could it mean? Obviously, it's a swimming reference, Steve. Of course. Obviously, the final stroke, the final, what they've all been culminating is this pressure building and up. There has to be a release, Steve. There has to be a release to the Olympics. Oh, I thought you were gonna make a sex joke. No, of course not. <laughs> this is a family free. This is a family friendly show really you think we're going to the olympics in this what else well where else could it go where else i don't know i I don't even i don't know where we're at where are we in the free franchise (laughs) uh so man i dropped off at season three of this show which which (laughs) i'd say how long is this show yeah exactly you're probably like yeah that's the same thing because i feel i felt like by season three they the characters have already separated because they're going to college they all couldn't go to the same college, and they're still trying to piece them together and bring them together. So I'll be honest, I did not give season three a chance. I saw the first like three episodes, and I was like, I am not really connecting with this story anymore. But apparently they were having more movies, and this is the final of the series. And I just want to say, too, Joe, click on the link of that show. Look at Haru's chin. I don't know what happens with swimming, but like it is just so. I think you can actually stab someone with that chin. You're lean, man. You got that lean. You can stab someone lean with that chin. Body mass. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> anyway, the project will be a two-part film. The first part will open in Japan on September 17th, and the second part will open in Japan on April 22nd, 2022. The video description teases that the films are, as Steve mentioned, the final chapter for the franchise. The project's tagline is, let's go to the stage of glory. That's it. And also just looking at the movies, too, at the bottom we have the prequel film in 2015, High Speed, Free, Starting Days. And then also, free, the movie, Timeless Melody, The Bond. And free, the movie, Timeless Melody, The Promise, which happened in uh, April and July 2017. And then, uh, Omnibus of Short Stories, also in 2017. Wow, 2017, banger year for free fans. Free, take your marks. 
I just, how many certifications did the final stroke have to get past, Steve? How many people had to have eyes on that and just and that just title? turn away and just go, you know what? Let it happen. No, you know what it probably was? Because I, I, I've said this before. There are different ways anime, oh, in terms of when it comes to the United States, when it's like translated or whatever, there's three different scenarios. Either A, the creator is like, we're keeping the Japanese name and we're not changing it. That's like option one. Fine, sure. Option two, hey, you can, um, it's okay if you want to change the name, like if you want to translate it really well in English, even if, if even if it may not be exactly the same moniker, as long as it sounds good in English, that's fine. That's option two. Option three is you're going to fucking translate it exactly the way it is. Don't you dare misinterpret my work. Whatever it is in English for these, you know, dumb guys, that's exactly what's that's what they're going to get. So that's probably what's option three would happen here. It's like, this is exactly translated for the final stroke. You're probably right. Yeah, you're probably correct in that, that it is a super direct translation. Translation is an art. Localization is an art. And sometimes you get the final stroke. Enough about movies we won't be able to see until later this year or even beyond. Let's talk about something that we got to see, Steve. Let's let's talk about something that we saw in the freaking Dolby Cinema. Beautiful sound, beautiful visuals, the best visuals. You thought this was black. This is the new black in Dolby Cinema. Oh, my God. Demon Slayer, Mugen Train. It is time for the topic of the week, Mugen Train. We saw it Thursday night, actually, like the first, like, what would you say, first showing we could possibly get. Probably. And we are going to talk out now. Before we actually go into more detail, we are going to split this up into two different versions. The The first part, we're going to do a spoiler-free review of the movie and then afterwards we're going deep into spoilers so joe i will ask you kindly to put the timestamp on for this as well for our listeners who have not been able to see moving train indeed indeed okay so spoiler free part starting now what'd you think of the film i loved it and honestly the more i've thought about it since the more i've loved it and the more i liked it and I just think it's really, really well done. I think it totally ups the stakes in terms of the grander story. But also, I was not, I was caught off guard with how intimate some of the storytelling was in this movie and just how heartfelt so much of it was, especially with Tanjiro. Of course, that was to be expected, but I found, I found myself really connecting and really loving and really having a real connection with Rengoku over the course of the movie too. I thought his arc was really well done in the movie. Listeners, you know that the past two weeks I have been binging Demon Slayer and I've been a little, I don't want to say sour on it. I've been more like, this is fine. This is a solid AA-10. I will say for someone who is going into this movie a little um, blasé, that I thought this was was a great movie. I think that's saying a lot, given the uh, the property. 
I thought that this was a a very concise movie which had a definite story to tell. That it explored all of our main characters in a unique and interesting way uh, that actually grew, grew on them. And given that we only knew our uh, Ren, Ren Goku for a little bit. I mean, at the end, I mean, he's introduced at the end of the first season, really. And, you know, obviously, if you've seen the trailer, that he's definitely the, the star of the show that they really give a lot more backstory to him where I feel like he's a character all along from the beginning. Absolutely. You could almost argue that he's the protagonist of the movie, even more than Tanjiro. Yeah, I guess you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say that, yeah. I, I think what, would ex- what I, I do like is this is the first uh, Hashira, uh, one of the elite soldiers of Demon Corps, uh, almost from from like their training or where how they grew up and where they are now exactly because we don't get much backstory of the Hashiras that we've introduced in the past such as um, Shinobu of like you know where they actually started and grew up oh I guess you know with her sister and everything a little bit but I guess because it's a movie you're getting a lot more of Ren- uh, Rengoku's actual uh, upbringing and his morals and values uh, with that too I think it also helps that the show the show the movie is contained in a train. I feel like it actually helps the movie because if it was, I felt like it made it more uh, concise instead of being a very far reaching show where people would be traveling everywhere and the plot would be lost because the show starts off with a definite mission. You know, from the, this is not a spoiler at the end of the season one, that, you know, uh, Tanjiro is given a mission that they have to, d- this demon is attacking a train and I mean, many people have been gone missing and you are to meet Rengoku on the train and basically investigate to see what happened, what happens. And that's what the movie is, essentially. Uh, I mean, you could say it's like a bridge between this and, actually, no, it is a bridge between this in season two, it's almost like an extended episode, but but Ufotable went all out with uh, this. And let, let's talk actually a little bit about Ufotable. Joe, the very first scene, no, no, the very first scene we see takes place in a forest. Okay, that's not a spoiler. Like that's the very like first like two seconds. At first, it was very photojacked to the point where we're like, did we go into the wrong movie? Because this looks actually real. And then, and then you know it pans and you see the characters like anime characters. Oh, okay, okay, we're an anime movie. But I was like, wow, even right off the bat, I'm like, is this are we in the wrong movie? Is this actually a real forest? You can just tell, yeah, just the upwards of budget that must have went into this. I can't even imagine. Now I'm really curious to see what the third Fate movie looks like based off of what we just saw. I know that was made before this, but. Yeah, a lot of the nature shots were literally picture perfect. They looked almost real. Even some of the the snow shots, uh, the water. Some of the water looked freaking real in this movie. Tanjiro does a lot of water fighting yeah, too. Yeah, but even then, I mean, even then, you know, we've we've seen a lot of the more sort of stylized, uh, magical elements of it, like Tanjiro's water or Zenitsu's lightning or some of the fire and stuff. They took it to another level. Some of the fighting near the end of this movie was just like, 
just some of the most gorgeous, most colorful. And again, this is probably because we saw it on a massive, massive screen on the Dolby screen that is, you know, supposed to have the better visuals and the better sound. Let's talk about the music of this movie, too. Jeez Louise. Um, I just thought they took even that more fantastical side of the animation to an even more detailed level, to an even grander level. I, it's gorgeous. We want to talk about Oscars for best animated Oscars for best animated features just like on a pure animation level my god this is this could go up against anything yeah it was uh, absolutely gorgeous i feel that especially it, it does give korea uh, help in Koreans with uh rengoku's uh you know specialty which is fire so i think that's it's picture perfect for you know a movie theater extravaganza in that um, and the, you know, the fights excellently, uh, choreographed and I really don't have many complaints. My only complaints would be nitpicking a few of the villains motives and also some character appearances that happen in the, in the, in the movie. But really, I, I have to say again, Trust me, it's coming from high praise for me if I was pretty lukewarm on Demon Slayer, the actual show going in, and and this movie actually turned it around. And I was like, wow, it's probably one of the best, uh, like, show, um, you know, shonen action movies, uh, action anime movies I've seen probably ever? I don't know. I mean, man, that sounds like a lot. I mean, if you ask me, like, Hey Steven, do you like more do you like your name or Mugen Train better? Probably gonna say your name better. But that's because I love the romantic type of stuff. No, I'd agree with but you. I'd I, agree with you on that. Yeah, your name is <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, but if you're at, but I'm trying to think of I mean, any of the Dragon Ball Z movies, yeah, I would say Mugen Train's probably better than that. And this is not just recency bias. No, I I, I agree I would agree. I and I think I think what helps it in my eyes is that it is it is the next step of the story and it is an extension of the story because so many, I mean, the My Hero movies, My Hero movies are great, but just knowing that as good as they can get or as high and hype as they can get, that not much of it is going to really affect the story and the show, but just knowing that so much of the emotional weight of this movie is going to carry forward because this literally is canon and a part of the show, I think helps it in my eyes Put it, put it a little bit more, have a little more weight to it than, say, the Dragon Ball Z movies or the My Hero movies, which are awesome. Oh, my God. Heroes Rising is so freaking good. But I know that it's not really going to lend much into the story of the show proper. I want to I actually segue into that, too. I think what's impressive, and I know we're going to get into numbers with this, uh, Funimation announced on Monday that it's earned $21 million so far at the U.S. box office, which makes it the second highest ever U.S. opening film for an, uh, an anime film. Uh, the other one is like Pokemon, the first movie, which is when adjusted for inflation is $31 million, just a little bit more. But I feel, first of all, that is incredibly impressive for a movie that is a sequel to a show. Like, you cannot go into this movie without knowing... Demon Slayer season one. I mean, you could, but you would have you. I mean, you could, of course, you could, 
but like it literally picks up moments Mo- no actually they recap the final moments of season one we're like we got to get on the train oh zanetsu you're gonna be late just don't don't even pick him up. Just leave him on the tracks. He's not gonna be. <laughs> hey, I hey, I'm gonna blow yeah, your spot spoil, right spoil, now. Spoil. I'll blow your no. spot right now. I of course sat next to Steve during this entire movie. I heard him chuckling at some Zenitsu parts. I heard him laughing at some Zenitsu parts. He was chuckling. Listen, we'll get into spoilers, but they could have left him off the train. Uh and. That it's done so well for a movie that, yeah, requires you to see season one. I also think this arc benefits from being a movie. I feel like if we, if this arc was 12 episodes long, or even like eight episodes long, maybe it'd be a little long in the tooth, but because it had to fit into an hour 40, an hour 50, it just, like you said, the momentum never let up. Once we were on that train, even though we took a few detours here and there to do to talk about some other things, the propulsion of the story was just, I thought, excellently paced from beginning to end. That maybe would have had a little more slower parts or fillery parts in it if it had been had to be stretched out into a season of television. I feel like Act 2, you could definitely make it a season of television. If you know what I'm talking, I'm, I'm, I don't want to do spoilers. I assume. Yeah, you, if you know what I mean, the different characters and what they're doing. Mm, sure. That, that, sure. That could totally be its own season. But again, I didn't need. You know, if we, if, if you we don't need, to do like we didn't a, need though. I think we got. We I think we got the point. Yeah. Well, we got. This is maybe when we'll get into spoiler territory because I, I, I just think it would have slowed it down too much if we had had like an entire episode of each character. Mm-hmm. Like that would have just been, I don't know. Well, let, let's with that, let's wrap it up. Two thumbs up for me doing a Siskel and Ebert thing. Think uh, it was very good movie, very concise, had a satisfying ending. Both was a lot of action, but also very uh, touching as well. Beautiful art style. Cannot recommend it enough. To go treat yourself and. If you were also uncomfortable going to the movie theaters, given the coronavirus, I don't think you have to wait that long. I believe it is going to be streaming or in home video very, very soon. I remember we've covered this before in the past, but I know it was a pretty, pretty short. I want to say June. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you don't have to wait that long. So if you don't want to go to the movies, don't worry about it. And skip also the second part of this uh, review. We're going to spoil territory. Wait until June and treat yourself at home. Absolutely. And then come back. And listen to us. I would also give this movie a two thumbs up. I, I've, I mean, I've, I've sung its praises, and I'll sing its praises even more as we get into more story-focused spoilers. The only, my only negative is, of course, um, as good as this movie is, it is not anywhere close to the highest-grossing movie of the weekend. Steve, do you know what the highest-grossing movie of the weekend was? Ugh, is it Mortal Kombat? It is, in fact, <laughs> Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Did beat Demon as much money as Demon Slayer made. Mortal Kombat did beat it at the box office. Listen, I mean, this. I mean, Mortal Kombat. That's another podcast for another time. Oh but man, yeah. If you got HBO, just watch that for Kano. Oh my god. You have be. Don't be surprised when that uh, when that actor wins at the Oscars next year for his performance as Kano in Mortal Kombat. Knocks it out of the park. Okay, 
Shall we get into spoilers? Let's get into spoilers, and I do have the synopsis brought up here so we can kind of go in order of what's happening. So, again, this is spoilers. If you don't want to hear spoilers for uh, Demon Slayer Mugen Train, skip now. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a massive spoiler to really blow your minds if you haven't left yet. They fought the fucking train, Steve. They had to fight the fucking train. <laughs> they actually, they actually fought the train. They actually, they, they actually did that, fight the train. That was that was the moment where I was like, "Oh my god!" They're just taking it to its logical conclusion. <laughs> the demon has fused with the train. We and, have to fight the train. Let's go. <laughs> and <laughs> Inosuke was right all along. It's true. It's true. The train's not to be trusted. Oh, that was so, so cathartic. I, man, that was my big major spoiler that I just wanted to get out there. It was like the most absurd. It was like the most Fast and Furious get hype sort of thing of like, how can we up the stakes even further? Let's fight the train. (laughs) So we start off with the movie Tanjiro, Nezuko, Zenetsu, Inosuke, all boarding the train. Their mission is to meet with Rengoku and hunt a demon that has killed many demon slayers and also is responsible for like 40 people's deaths and they don't know much other than that uh i do appreciate i actually do like appreciate that the the movie act literally takes place that the movie kicks off right there i mean other than that we have uh oh god forget i'm forgetting his name the master we have him walking with presumably his girlfriend i don't know man i maybe this I don't know. I will be perfectly honest. This is terrible of me, but... Kagaya. Okay. It has obviously been much longer since I've seen Demon Slayer than you had. I did not know who that guy was until the end of the movie. I was like, who the hell Oh, you didn't know that? Oh, I I, I totally blanked. Oh, yeah, he was the master. I didn't know who who the girl who was with him. Yes, but I totally blanked. I was like, who is this guy talking about... (laughs) His children out there fighting demons. I was like, I don't remember this guy. I wonder 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 how we're going to cycle back. And then at the end of the movie, of course, I was like, oh, yeah, that's the master. (laughs) Well, but I did my homework. I watched all of Demon Slayer season one, so I knew exactly who that was. Yeah, but I didn't know the girl with him uh, because I know it wasn't the uh, like the the handlers or anything, you know, the the other two girls. So, um we start I think off. It's one of its helpers. Yeah, one of its helpers, probably. And yeah, we start off. They meet Rengoku just pounding away at all of the food on the train. You know, he's just like, oh boy, after every like, uh, like box lunch he's eating. And I'm like, dude, give the waitresses a break. I mean, how much food can you go through, man? I mean, I, I know he probably needs the protein, but yeah, save some for the rest of everyone else. Just a fun opening. Great, great fun way to introduce this character and just be like, yeah, he's absurd. He's 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 uber passionate about literally everything that he does. About life, about life. Yeah, about life, and, food, life, passion, everything. And we got some fun stuff with Inosuke and Zenetsu. I mean, Inosuke's going crazy because they're actually on a train. Probably, you know, the first train. This is in the early 1900s as well. So most likely these kids cannot afford to be on a train. Uh, Zanetsa actually seems like he's been on a train before. He's explaining it. Um, 
And other than that, Tanjiro's just excited. He wants to continue his journey. But also, he is on a mission. Let's, let's not forget that he wants to ask Goku about the fire-breathing technique that his father did that he was able to recreate during his fight with the spiders. If you remember that, too. I, know I do remember that. End. No, I do remember that. That was, like, the most epic part of the whole sh- whole show. Yeah, so he, he, he has a two-part thing. He wants to continue his mission, being a Demon Slayer, but also wants to ask Goku as being the flame Hashira, like, yo, do you do you know this fire-breathing technique? Because if you don't, then I'm shit out of luck because you're the guy who has flame in his title. And then we get to the part, and I know this is going to this will start really diving into it, where we get... Uh, Edmu, the lower rank one demon, essentially uh, places a spell on the conductor with the ticket. And at that time, we, we the audience don't know what's happening. But if you remember at that time, Rengoku feels that there's a demon in the presence and we see we get our first fight and our first action with Rengoku, what he can do now. In hindsight, I I'm assuming that he was asleep. That everyone uh, that imagined that this fight never actually happened. That is correct. That is correct. So yes, we see them fight some demons. It's epic, and they actually just straight up kill them, and they're all super happy. And it kind of just seems like everything's over. And that was that was such a smart way to kick us into what the overarching thing will be, which is this idea of dreams and sleep. Because it's like, oh, this is all feeling a little weird and a little janky because actually they're all in this sort of shared slumber right now and then that's when it's revealed that yes Enmu has set all of them asleep to to kick them into their own spirit sort of spiritual worlds so that these other kids can come in and take out their spirit cores inside of their dreams now i know we talked about this on our train right back but my nitpick is like why is this so convoluted just to kill these demon slayers because if you have your opponent asleep you just stab them He's having fun, man. You know, he's just having a I good time. So. He said, so. he did say, not that this was explained you know, much in detail, but he did say something along the lines of, if a demon comes into contact with them, it would cause them to wake up. So I'm assuming, that's why he had to stay in the front car and send the kids into the back cars to go do this in the first place, because if he had gotten any closer, it would have woken them up. So I'm assuming that... If they'd have done anything in the physical world, just based off of the training and based off of the reflexes of being a demon slayer, probably would have woken them up. They wouldn't, and they would have been able to take out these kids or take out whoever before their spirit core was destroyed. But you do it in the dreams. I I guess that makes sense. I guess I feel like you know, you you have a lower one, lower one rank demon, which definitely no slouch. But at the same time, going against three demon slayers, like of lower rank and then also a Hashida at the same time like yeah I guess you wouldn't be able to take them all at the same time because you have to do something unique to be able to do that and it's also interesting uh that the 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 passengers the kids are totally in it because they just want to have nice dreams too and they're like totally like yeah I will basically have myself I would. I don't want to say die, but if you go to an internal slumber, but if it's a if it's a wonderful dream, then who? Why does it matter at the end? I mean, almost like Inception. We get the hints of you know we we learned the the one kid that was with Tanjiro is 
um, has tuberculosis, so he has a reason for wanting to have a better, healthier life, and having this eternal slumber would give it to him. So I think it's kind of implied that all four of these kids come from kind of bad situations that would make them want to strive for something better if someone offers them a nicer dream. Even the conductor, he's in it too. Because (laughs) at first, yeah, because at first, if you remember, this is where I was lost. Little hand, that's like basically how uh, uh, Enmu is is able to send some, I guess, like a piece of it piece of him to like you know talk to the kids hands talking to the kids i'm like these kids are taking this talking hand really too well like what is happening here and then i'm like oh okay they're actually working together but that wasn't immediately clear so i was like these kids are braver stuff than me talking to a hand and everyone seems to be in on it and i don't know as an audience member what is happening at all and then he sends them into each of their dreams and i thought this is where the movie really really slowed down in a, in a nice way. This is where we get into some of that into more intimate storytelling that I, that I didn't expect. And I really loved, like we get into, we get into Tanjiro's dream and each one is kind of sent into a different world. And Tanjiro is sent into a world where his family isn't dead. He's sent into this like idyllic world where he got to keep living the life that he was living at the beginning of the show. And he gets to experience some nice, peaceful, quiet times with, his mother and his brothers and sisters. And I really, really liked this part. It's so easy for you to just kind of think of Tanjiro's family outside of Nezuko as just like the people who died to kick Tanjiro off on his journey. And they were just like plot devices, which to an extent they were in the first episode to spur on this journey and this adventure that we're going on with Tanjiro. And this movie did a really good job, I thought, of of really taking us back to like, oh yeah, these were people that Tanjiro really cared about and really loved and had this relationship with. And it was, I thought it was really, really beautiful to get to see those quieter moments with him, with the mom, with the brothers and sisters, especially at the end when the sort of youngest brother kind of realizes that Tanjiro's leaving. I don't think I don't know if he really understands he's in a dream that he that he doesn't exist anymore. You don't exist anymore, little kid. But I don't know if he realizes that. But he like runs at Tandro crying. And he's like, "Don't leave me. Don't leave us here alone. Take us with you." And Tandro's like, "I can't." But you feel that longing. You feel that want. I yeah. I really really dug these these quieter emotional moments. We've seen I've. We've seen this before, and boy, you will love Naruto because they do the same exact thing with with the. It's actually the main villain of Shippuden. Uh, his plan is to turn the moon into a giant shotting gun eye, so everyone can be under Genjutsu forever. There would be no war if everyone's under the same illusion, essentially in the dream state. So I can't wait for you to watch Naruto. That's all the endorsement of that because you do get all this. But back to Demon Slayer, I can see you smirking right now. Stop it, sir. Um, I really I, I really did I did like this because I to your exact same point that it showcases Tanjiro's values growing up, what he learned as a family, that he's not doing it just for his sister, but also to essentially stop demons from taking away from what was taken away from him himself which was his family that's one of his driving goals other than to bring get his sister uh back to normal as a human and i have to say the first part i teared up and they make this very good because throughout the entire dream sequence 
we do not see Nezco in here. The main reason why, except for the very end where you hear her call out because she's been picking vegetables, and he does not even want to turn around and see her because he knows if he sees her, he may not even he may choose not to come out of the dream world at all. And I thought that was really touching, and I uh, I really I, I really love that. That's the first part I really uh, teared up. I was like, oh wow. Yeah, that's really good. They haven't brought her up in a while. And that's the actually reason why. Why isn't she part of the family at, at all? It's like, oh, because they've been saving her for the end. And that's a real gut punch. Uh, we also get a little bit more of uh, Tanjiro's father, who's actually the one who helps him realize that he's in a dream world. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly when Tanjiro starts pie- piecing it together. I think it's because he... I know he starts seeing stuff at the corner of his eyes, such as like the bas not the basket, the 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 transport box that he keeps Nezuko in at the corner of his eye. Yeah, but really, he starts to realize it when Nezuko finally awakens in the real world, and she when she gets the blood on her face and she headbutts him, and the blood causes him to catch fire. Oh yeah, well yeah, that's when he totally knows. What's yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think he always senses that something is off too with his uh, type of spirit, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. uh, may you know if he had to be somewhere else. <laughs> and yeah, I really, I really like this whole this whole part because it's again bringing back his family. The reason why he's doing all this is to prevent other people from being in the same position, and what life could have been. Next, people. I mean, the other main character who has this type of uh, arc we see is Rengoku. Interesting to see. Like, it is a clever plot device where you get to see him growing up and how he just wants to impress his father that his family has always been Hashida's, apparently. And his father was one that's like retired and basically thinks it's a fool's errand to even do this. Not impressed that his son makes the same rank. And, uh,. Just wants to impress his father, but also be good to his mother. And his mother is also dying of sickness, too, pretty soon. But she just loves her little boy so much. Great relationship. In honestly, not a lot of time, but I thought it was really effective. We had the scene with him and his brother, and I thought that really tied them together. And I really loved their relationship. Uh, and I loved, yeah, I loved his relationship with his mom. We get a couple more flashbacks with his mom throughout the course of the movie. That's kind of the driving force of a lot of his, a lot of his arc is his mom kind of being like, you owe it to help people because you have certain abilities and, and, and powers and, and desires and, and an emotional state that, that not many people have. And so you, you. You need to go use it for good in the world. And I think it almost changes his entire personality after his mother passes away because I think it's very clear that Rengoku talks weird. When uh, when we first meet him, where he's almost too upfront. However, in the past, with his brother, with his mother and father, he's more... Um, I guess you would expect with a human being to talk, but I, but what I'm getting at is that after, as to your point, he talks to his mother. His mother is like giving one of her final life, uh, life lessons, where you are you are born with special abilities to be able to take care of other people. That he almost encompasses that 
almost as he wants to be the flame for other people, essentially. I know it sounds like a terrible pun since he is the flame master, but that's why I feel like. So that's why he's always so joyful because he wants to project and ha- and give people that confidence and spirit that he has in them to do also good as well, as well in the world. He wants to inspire. That's that's what he leaves. That's what he leaves them all with at the end of the movie, is him saying, "Now you go back." Now he like tells Tandro and Inosuke, He says, "Now you go be the next Hashira. You go take this on. You go be the next people to pick up the mantle. I've done what I can do. Now it's your turn. I pass it on to you." Oh my god. Oh my god. Let's go see it again. <laughs> we could. We've seen IMAX. We haven't seen it. Yet. We saw it in Dolby. We've seen IMAX. Can we see it in the in the like the 4D theater that where the seats kind of like move around a little bit? I want to see. Yeah. I want to see Zack Snyder's version of this movie. Oh, <laughs> but uh, the other two people we have in the dream world is uh, Zenitsu, which yes, I chuckled. It's him just basically being with Nezuko, his his dream girl, and they are frolicking together in the fields so good <laughs> so perfect and, and, and Inosuke who just wants to be the leader he always seems to be the leader so now he has Tanjo and Zenetsu as lackeys and they are fighting a, a fake train in the cave and he's just having a time great time just killing people or killing things being a demon slayer fantastic you know it's like not everybody can have crazy, crazy big character development. Some some characters have to be comedic relief in this movie. And I I loved that they didn't try to, like, go for everybody in this movie. You know, there's time. We've had some Zenitsu and Inosuke growth already in there. I think I think we'll have some more in the second season. They can be comedic relief for now. <laughs> I guess. I mean, at least they actually did something uh, useful here in this movie. But. The main point, the, the next key thing is Tanjiro finally realizes he is in a dream. And I thought this was crazy. His father tells him, you got to kill yourself, essentially, in the dream. And that's actually I, that's what I was thinking of, is that like once he realizes in a dream, I thought it was either two things. Either A, I always heard the thing, like, if you try to kill yourself in a dream, you're going to wake up. Or B, that Tanjiro would do something so aghast, I told you, I thought maybe he would start killing his own family. Be like, I would never do this. So I am going to kill my family because it's going to wake me up because I'm going to feel so horrified. But no, he just takes the sword to his neck and basically screams because like I don't. I hope this works. <laughs> I bet. I bet. <laughs> and just does it and wakes up from the dream. And I thought, wow, that was crazy. They committed hard to that, especially. That's not the last time you see Tanjiro kill himself in this movie. I the the, the that the, it is a theme that carries forward because of course the he keeps trying the the demon Enmu keeps trying to put him back to sleep even as they're doing their fight later on and yeah, I can I I was like, okay, that was that was crazy. That first time, that was really dark. I can't believe they really went for it there. But then to have a fight later on where the demon's just throwing eyes out, trying to set him to sleep, and, and Tanjiro just gives into it and is like, okay, I'm just going to continue killing myself the moment that I get put to sleep to jump back into the fight to fight Enmu to keep going. And he, like, Tanjiro probably kills himself at least, like, 30 times by the end of this movie. 
And he almost messes up at the end. Great twist. Great twist. He has no idea. He's like, I don't know if I'm even a dream or not at all. Nosuke finally stops him and is like, don't give in to the trap. Because that boar head can't tell what the eyes are. Couldn't put him to sleep. So, ah! That is a a clever, clever thing. I'll have to say that is clever with the boar trap. So, uh, Tanjiro... wakes up and he wakes to see Rengoku choking out the girl. So we have to go into the spirit stuff. I, I forgot. So the whole crux of it is the, the, the four children. Four children? I think four. They are also in the dream as well, and they're going to the boundaries of the dream to be able to find the spirit core of everyone and so they can stab it with their... I don't know. It looks like they're... they're, they're spatula knives or whatever i don't know it's just very weird knives i don't know they, they don't seem like a regular knife like i guess it's made for stabbing spirits and basically stab the spirit and presumably they would die because you know what why else would you do that and i know you really want to go into a little bit a little bit more but i think uh some of them are interesting like there's some of them are hard like zanetsu's is completely black so they can't find it for whatever reason uh Inosuke is chasing the girl with the the boar one because he he immediately senses, but he doesn't understand. He's in a dream, but he's like, "This person is different. I'm going to chase after this person because they are an enemy." Uh, Rengoku's uh, is in a flame area, and he he's almost stabbed, but then he he's still asleep, but chokes the girl literally in the dream and just holds that pose. I'm like, this girl totally dead after like five five minutes but he's holding in that choke phase but tanjiro's tanjiro's uh spirit area in uh this is this is the boy with the uh, tuberculosis because tanjiro is such a kind soul even tanjiro's spirits like you i'll help you on your journey to kill me here are my spirits to guide you to my spirit core it's right there if you want it I think this movie really made me finally realize why Demon Slayer is so popular. Because we've been talking about it. We've been we've been hypothesizing, we've been talking about it. And this scene in particular where yeah, we just see Tandra's spirits guiding this kid like we're going to help you even though even though you're trying to kill and destroy our soul core. This show, man, is just so, so earnest in a way that that not many things could probably pull off. Like, it just, it wears its heart so openly on its sleeve, and it's so earnest and just straightforward with emotions. There's not a trace of irony at all in any of this stuff. And it just comes across as so... genuine genuine yeah yeah, exactly just genuine and 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 just completely sympathetic to everyone to all to all demons humans all and it's just a it's just i don't think it's something many things can pull off to just be so so genuine about how how emotional and how earnest and how how gentle it can be at times and we don't see that a lot yeah, I mean, even with Tanjiro, I think he just kind of felt at the same time as that this per- this boy is suffering from tuberculosis. I don't know consciously what happens, but I know if I allow him to kill me, it'll make him feel better. My main mission is to make people, to relieve them of pain. And that also just sets Tanjiro apart from other shonen protagonists. 
You know, he's he that's what he's trying to do. You're right. He's trying to help people make people feel better. That is what he's doing across the entirety of Demon Slayer. He's not trying to be the Pirate King. He's not trying to be Hokage. Yeah. He's not trying to be the greatest hero in the world. He's not trying to be number one. He just wants to make people feel better. He wants to be number one in people's hearts. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's but that's that's all he cares about, and it's that's it's beautiful. It really is. So with that, Nezuko uh, uses her power to she she's she's awake and she realizes she's burning the ropes, and Tanjiro is the first one to wake up, and immediately sees like everyone else is sleeping and he can't get them awake or whatever. So he's on the hunt to find uh, Enmu on the train. Now, I know I'm trying to remember. Okay. So Tanjiro is the first first one to wake up, goes on the train, sees Enmu on on the train, and just we have that great fight where he's just trying to reach Enmu, and Enmu is just doing the sleep attacks, and he keeps basically going to the dream world, killing himself, regaining his footing, getting back on there, and just trying to get in a close enough attack with Emu. Again, uh, trying to attack, so I'm missing attacks, and eventually, I know I'm, I'm skipping a little bit, but does a one of his forms to eventually get close enough to Emu, who is just baffled that Tanjiro is able to keep killing himself over and over, and that the one attack is not working, and what I do like is that eventually gets close enough to Edmu, does the same attack against the spider too, able to cut off the head. But I do, I, I told you, I do appreciate that he immediately realizes, realizes, wait a second, I've read this book before. The dis demon's not dead. I've cut off the head, but they're not. I don't smell the ash. I don't see anything. This was way too easy, even though it was a pretty cool fight, like a, a, you know, fight getting up there. It's not done, and that's when he learns that the, the the train is actually the demon. I have fused with the. This isn't my body anymore, dude. I have fused with the train, and yes, yes. And so we see this demon sludge in go through the entire train, sludges everywhere, and we have to kill the train. I I will say the sludge did not look good. That is one of my main criticisms. That look that did not look good. I thought it looked good when it was in the train. I didn't really have any complaints about that. The part that really stood out to me in terms of like, yeah, okay, this CG is a little not at odds with the 2D animation is when um, Enmu's head is still out. Oh, yeah. And it's like connected sort of to the like, it's like a tentacle leading back to the train. It's just his head like bobbing around on this tentacle. I think because it, maybe it was in so much motion, it was constantly just bobbing around. You could really tell that it didn't really mesh with the 2D. That was the only part that really stuck out to me. This is the part, too, where our other characters wake up on, on I want to say on their own, really. I don't remember exactly when, how they wake up. Other than Nesco burning the room. Well, Zenitsu does it. Oh, yeah, yeah, Zenitsu. But then he works, I thought, like, oh, again, clever. Again, I'll give props where he's only good when he's sleeping. And uh, probably senses Nezuko, Nezuko in danger. So he's like, well, I got to kill everything that even threatens her. Uh, and Nosuke and uh, Rengoku wake, wake up as well. And this is the part where I, I do like Rengoku's like, 
You and Nosuke go after after the demon. I will take care of all of the cars, essentially. I'll handle it. Because at this time, Tanjiro is just barely hanging on, trying to kill all these tentacles, which are going after the passengers. He doesn't want any any human to die. But he's up against the ropes, and Nosuke is also trying his best to like cut through all the tentacles. Nezuko's also there, too. And Rengoku eventually wakes up. Does like one attack, wipes out like what four or five cars worth of them, and actually like delays some of the healing. It's like, I'll take care of these cars, you go after the demon. And I'm like, awesome, buddy cop, we're ready to go after all this. We got it planned together. Uh, let's see, Zenetsu also helps. I also find it funny that no one, that Tanjo has never seen Zenetsu actually attack or do anything because you remember he hears like lightning or something. He's like, I guess Zenetsu's up for something. And that's him actually doing his first form attack and like, you know, wiping out a lot of, uh, the, the parts. I think, I think, uh, I think at that point, I think Nezuko, she's, I think her arms and legs are trapped. That's why from the tentacles. And that's why Zenetsu was like, my girlfriend's in danger. I need to protect her so I can maybe go on a date with her, which is never going to happen. And, you know, go after that. But I thought, I thought, I, I thought that was funny that like, Hunter was like, I've never actually seen him attack before. Who knows who he's got. I also find it very interesting too, that, uh, you know, I think he, uh, I think, uh, Ringoku also does say like Zenetsu also will hold off a few cars to like the back. And I'm like, I don't think Tanjiro has any confidence in Zenetsu at all because he's never actually seen him attack at all. But whatever, I think it's fun. But I, this is when every, everyone's up awake, everyone's doing their job right now, and then we're t- going off with uh, Nosuke and uh, Tanjiro tag teaming, going to the front of a train, uh, going to the conductor. Who I first thought I was like, wow, he's taking this real like this entire train is. This, bouncing around on the tracks being absorbed by demon fluid and this conductor is like i gotta make sure this coal is still in this train because i got a job to do and i can i need i need to be able to make this paycheck uh but um with that they start just doing another incredible fight with uh uh inmu and all the eyes and yeah you you mentioned before that unable to to track inosuke's uh eye movement because of the mask Great. Yes. And this was such a great fight running up and down these tentacles, just flying all around them as they kind of are trying to just get straight down into the heart of this train and, and, and kill this guy. Thought it was great and epic and, and kind of kind of the first big climax of the movie. You kind of think this is this is it. We're doing the big fight and they get him and they do him and they take him out and they cut him and they cut his head off. And importantly, also, as well, the train derails, okay? Oh, yeah. I knew we were going to talk about this. And all these passengers are perfectly... I mean, you have some people whose legs are stuck under a train, and I'm like, they're paralyzed forever. Sure. They are. Yeah, they'll get them out. It's fine. But you said... Uh, th- throwaway line. They said... They said Rengoku did a bunch of abilities that stopped the train... From being as damaging as it could have. Yeah, no, all those people are dead. Those things don't have seatbelts. Oh, those cars, <laughs> the train cars, like, they all just, like, fall into each other. They're flipping all over the tracks. They just completely fly, like, a mile, and then they just crash into the countryside. Yeah, they're, they're all dead. But whatever, that throwaway line that Rengoku, like, was able to perform an ability and maybe 
do a kinetic energy attack that kind of, you know, lessened the blow or whatever. Or maybe everyone was up in the air at the same exact time while the train was crashing. I don't know. We got that, you know, that bullshit thing. But we're thinking this is the end. We've, 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 we found the demon. The demon uh, has was also very sad that they, that they are dying once again. Is this when we get the flashback to? I'm not sure. Was we don't get a flashback with him, but we have like a monologue as he's disappearing. Yeah, he just says he just basically says like he he's just he's just angry basically. And and, and I'm gonna say also Tanjiro, throw your fucking dart at uh, Evo to get, collect the blood. You already missed it on the spider. This is your second chance. You lost it. What are you doing, bro? This is your one job to get the blood samples for Nesco. Just got to get Muzan. Just got to get the one. Yeah, whatever. But we think this is the end. This is it. They've accomplished their mission. But no. And then the last 30 minutes of this movie happen, and my God, is this just the most epic thing I could have possibly hoped to have seen on a Thursday night. Akaza, the upper third moon. Appears now. This is the first time we've ever seen an upper moon. We, we've heard of them. We actually even seen silhouettes of them in the show, and we've only seen the lower people. But uh, Akaza shows up and is like, "We're gonna, we're, we're throwing down right now." There's a Hashira here. The only person who can even is worth a challenge to me, and then. All hell breaks loose with Rengoku saying, yo, I got this. Tanjiro, you've been uh, stabbed. I think he, he's at this time. He, he, he's stabbed like in the, uh, in, the, in the abdomen, and he's using his total concentration breathing to kind of uh, keep his composure and stop the bleeding and, and whatnot. Um, and Inosuke is basically super tired because after because that the last fight with Imu really like used up all of their energy, so to speak. Rengoku, plenty of left in the fight. It's like I got this. It is my job as a Hashira to protect the lower ranks. And also, this is the first time it seems in a while that a Hashira and an Upper Moon have fought as well. We we get that. I know it. I know it's covered later, but this is like it's been like years. It, it's where we as the audience are supposed to like this hasn't happened in a while. Now, I the only thing I'll argue is why does he show up? I don't know. I just read it as I'm assuming that Muzan was keeping track on on Enmu because Enmu was sent here specifically to take out Tanjiro at the end of the first season, right? Am I remembering that correctly? I don't think so. I thought no. I think I think Emma Emma is just having fun. Oh, well. Just gets just you know. Uh, I have an easy meal of collecting people's souls, or you know, right here. I'm a. I think you are on the right track. It's it's probably not actually covered in the in the movie, but I know we know Muzan wants Tanjiro. Yes, and I would just imagine Muzan keep tabs keeps tabs on everybody. He's keeping tabs on all all of the lower upper moon people, and so when Enmu colossally messes up, I would assume he's just like, okay, you know what? We got to go wipe the floor with these people. Akaza, go take care of them all. Kill them all. Be back and be back when you do that. Yep. Because he already lost the spider. I forgot the, the kid's name, but um, lost that person. So he's like, no, not again. Not this shit again. So sends Akaza. 
I don't know how to describe this fight other than it's like just gorgeous with the fire that, you know, we're seeing a lot of beautiful choreography and even I, I love how Inosuke and Tanjiro are like, I don't even know if we can help because I can't even follow this battle because they are moving so fast. And I think I'd even just get in the way if like if I would just be someone that Rengoku would have to protect if I even tried to get into this fight. Fantastic music. Gonna call out Yuki Kajira and Go Shina, uh, who did the music for this movie. Fantastic song here. There's this rocking guitar riff underneath this fight that, like, will just all of a sudden stop for a few seconds. So you get that great, like, blast of action while this guitar riff is playing. And then the guitar riff goes silent. They kind of separate. And it's just still for a few moments. And then it's perfectly timed with the music. They go back to fighting. The guitar riff kicks back in. This song is sick, dude. And it, I, it has been on repeat ever since we saw this movie. I've been listening to the hell out of this song. Eventually, I mean, I, 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 words can't describe the fight because it's just, you know, beautiful uh, choreography. And basically, they're almost, they're essentially even matched. But we do know that Akaza wants Rengoku to give in, become a demon, because as a human, he is only going to slowly wither away and get worse and worse because of age. Um, to join over to the demon side, Rengoku is stalwart, saying, No way, it is those characteristics that make us human, and I will never give in to you or your ideals. Um, but we do know that Rengoku is losing this fight. Like, or rather being whittled down, whittled down. I'm not going to say like, not like a final like blow, but he's, he's, he's getting tired while Akaza is not. Right. And we even see, we see him do some damage and then Akaza quickly heals and he goes, I've got to do as much damage as quickly as possible. I got to end this essentially in one blow is what it comes down to. He's like, if I don't take him down in one hit, then he's not going down. So then he just, they just freaking go at each other. And it is so damn good when they are just locked in on each other and freaking Akaza punches right through Rengoku's chest, essentially. And Rengoku brings his sword down and is cutting off this guy's head. Oh my God. Again, words can't describe. It is something that you have to see on the biggest screen possible to to believe, but it's so well done. It's I it's one of the best fights I've seen in a, in a minute, I will say. With that too, I know we have seen the point where they're almost in a stalemate. Uh, Kojiro Rengoku, he has uh, he has like he uh, uh, his blade and Akaza's neck still really tough trying to cut it because he's able to get close enough to Akaza because Akaza has his fist literally stuck in his abdomen, so he's not going anywhere. And we also have the great point that the the sunlight is starting to come up too. So Kojiro and Goku just needs to like a waiting game. Either A, the sun gets you and you're gonna die because, you know, you're a vampire or whatever, or I'm eventually going to be able to get this sword and cut off your head. And you know, uh, with that, it seems I I I got exactly how it is, but uh, Akaza is able to 
break free really quickly and almost really decides that it's all it, it, it i like how it it, it transitions because i like to say like well i guess i won because i didn't lose and i am going to retreat like a coward essentially which is what tanjiro sees as well and just like screams out that yeah he's just a coward he's running into the forest and going away we get an amazing shot where tanjiro just throws his sword right through the forest of akaza able to like stab him in the back not gonna kill him though but just screaming that like Rengoku won because you you didn't weren't able to finish him off, and you're just running away like a coward. And he's just crying too, and just screaming at the top of his lungs to come back because of everything they've gone through. That uh, Kojiro deserves to win, and I, I I loved it so much. Fantastic voice work. I would be I actually was very curious. I would love to go watch, especially this ending part in English. Because I'm not as familiar. I've listened to a little bit of Demon Slayer English dubbed, but not a ton to really be really intimately familiar with with what those actors sound like. But I just thought Natsuki Hanae, who voices Tanjiro in Japanese, did such a, that final monologue he had when he was screaming at Akaza running into the forest where he was just like, you think humans are weak? We fought you until you ran away. We're the ones who come to you in the darkness. You, you, you can't even fight us on our level in the daytime. You think we're weak? You're, you, you're. This is hilarious. You're, you're laughable. And you see that great Akaza moment of being of him wanting to go back. He turns around. He's like, "What the fuck did you just say to me?" But he can't because the sun's coming up and he has to leave. And I just thought, I just thought the the voice work on on Tanjiro's monologue there was so, so good. I'd love to go hear. I know Zach Aguilar voices Tanjiro in English. I'd love to go hear his voice and his acting on, on that side of things, on that monologue. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, great, great fight, even if it's like... It, I, I was about to say inconclusive, but we know that uh, Kojiro fatally wounded, and this is the point where he wants to depart some uh, final wisdom to Tanjiro and be able to explain why he's a demon slayer, that you're going to be the future of what this core means and to essentially never give up. And uh, we have Inosuke also crying too, uh, which is also actually touching because you, you don't see him like ever like act up or cry. And I have to say every single fucking time anime does this i've seen it so many times where kojiro sees looks out in the distance sees his mother and and a ghost mother and a mother's like you did a great job son so many anime do that and it was perfect and and it it gets me every time i wouldn't have it any other way wouldn't have any other way crying right i'm like oh my god they're doing it again i love it and he just he dies with a smile on his face and then the raven goes out uh, yeah, and yeah. the raven goes out, and the raven and with the tears. The raven's cool. crying. Like, the raven's the ravens crying. Ravens can't too. cry. Well, birds They've can't cry. Human, they talk. They've got like human characteristics. Yeah, anyway, parents, they parents go and inform all of the other Hashira of Rengoku's death, and his death is great. Is is great? Great moment to really just check in and see all of these people, and you see all of their reactions of being like, I can't believe even Rengoku couldn't couldn't take down an upper moon. 
but yeah, it's this, it's, we, it, it's the, the Lisa music is starting to swell, starting to come in. We get some great reactions from them. And then I thought a very ballsy choice, maybe not ballsy is maybe too strong of a word, but a great, wasn't really expecting choice. Literally the last shots of the movie, Tanjiro just sobbing and screaming Rengoku's name and then cut to black and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> that's it really, yeah. Uh, and we thought there was, and then we get some, we get some nice like art scenes of the, the, the credits as well. We were thinking like maybe there's going to be a post-credits scene. There's not. Uh, we stack around for it because of course Lisa's singing. How, how can we say no? That song's great too. It's great too. And... That's the end of the movie. We kind of know where it picks up. I'm also interested to see when season two of Demon Slayer comes out, you have to see this movie. I, I wonder how, because it, it's so weird, because I haven't, I can't even think of another anime series which has a movie that is required watching to watch the next season. I love it. I hope this becomes the norm. I'll be perfectly honest. If there's an arc that shouldn't, that would benefit from being a movie, do it do it you know if you people know, show up they made a ton of money people will definitely show up and i think it's a smart way to to diversify the storytelling and to again you know i again i don't i think this arc benefited from being a movie it kept the it kept the propulsion going it kept the momentum of the storytelling at a, at a very high tempo and i thought it was great it allowed for some intimate slowdowns in the story, but then it could also ramp up and really just kick it into the action. And I, other like with with anime movies too, I think you made a, a perfect comment where the My Hero Academia movies and also Naruto movies mean nothing because we never see any of the characters introduced in those shows ever again in the main series. While this is literally required watching, you need to see this before season two. There's a bunch of Naruto movies you don't need to see a goddamn one and just continue on. I'm sure the same things with My Hero, maybe even One Piece too. I think the One Piece movie, definitely one, definitely One Piece. Yeah, there's like 20 One Piece. Yeah, movies. Not, not all of them are side stories. You'll never see them again. Yeah, you'll never see them again. Yeah. And that is Demon Slayer, Mugen Train. When are we getting the next uh, next ticket showing? What is the next one to come out, man? Is it gonna be? No, fate's already come out. We just gotta find fate. We just gotta find fate and watch fate. No, when is Evangelion one, coming out? No, next one's uh, Violet Evergarden. Mm. Sure, Violet Evergarden. Sure. Gotta see that. I have not been spoiled by that. I'm very happy. Well, there's our first major big anime movie review. Couldn't have been to a better movie other than I guess we, I wish I had this podcast around when we had your name and weathering with you. But let us know what you thought. If you're able to catch a showing of Demon Slayer Mugen Train, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? Was there anything that you would have you would have liked to have seen more of? Would you have liked to have seen more of Nezuko? I kind of would have liked to have seen a little more of Nezuko in the movie. I thought she was a little, maybe a little underutilized in the movie. Maybe that's a little nitpick from me. But if you'd have also liked to have seen more Nezuko, you can, of course, reach out and tell us about it at weebweeklypodcast at gmail.com. Going on to the next, we had some feet to watch we had some unlimited blade works and if you're not familiar with the wheel of fate we've been told that there's no good place to start fate so we've taken that way too literally and been watching every single fate episode 
out of order, essentially, with our random number generator and wondering, is this a good place to start fate? And most of the time, it's no. Starting at, like, episode 9 of Lost Encore, not a great place to start fate. But this week, we got episode 13, Time of Departure of Unlimited Blade Works. I have to say, Joe, my first inclination of this is I have seen this scene so many times uh, from previous incarnations of fate, either the movies or different uh, versions of this. I'm like, I've seen this before. Yeah, I mean, this is, if you're not familiar with, this is uh, Archer. uh, Saber has been captured, and Archer turns on Rin. He wants to join the the bad guys, essentially. And... uh, Basically, yeah, Emiya and or Shiro and um, Rin are back to basics. They don't know what to do, and we get a really nice, uh, you know, scene with them uh, looking up at the stars and them kind of falling in love with each other, which I always like. When I'm like, this is fate. This is this is my fate. You got that cuteness. You got Emiya telling, confessing to Rin his feelings for her in this episode, and yes, yeah, we get to see uh, Saber all tied up by Caster. You can see the teacher a little bit talking a lot more in this than he was in the Unlimited Blade Works movie. Um, what else did we have here? That's pretty much it, honestly. At this point, Kodomine, Gilgamesh isn't really in the fray. Kodomine's kind of been taken off the board for a minute for a bit. It's a good episode, but it's a lot of a lot of setup for what's to come. The big fights are literally the next episode and the episode after, I believe. I think. You could do worse starting with fate if you wanted to start here because you do get a lot of backstabbing and you do, you know, get some uh, some strong moments with Rin wanting to take on Caster. And even then, I'm like, Archer's right. There's no way you're going to be taking on Caster as a magical user because, Rin, you are obviously more talented than me, but I don't think she's, like, upper tier of a mage. I know she comes from a mage family, but going against Caster, no way. No, absolutely not. But you will have to wait to see that fight, Steve, in the coming weeks. Haven't I seen all of uh, of Unlimited Bay Wicks in the movie? Yeah, you've seen this fight. This is the fight where, yeah, she goes up against Caster, and then um, Emiya goes up against the teacher. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who has no he lines has, in the movie. He has, he has his one line in Unlimited Blade Works. <laughs> <laughs> God, still, folks, if you haven't seen that, look in our past episodes, because, again, I have to say that is the worst anime property I've ever seen in my life. If you want to talk about, yeah, we talked a lot about how Mugen Train was one of our favorite anime films we've ever seen. This was easily the worst. Unlimited Blade Works, the original film, easily the worst. Cramming 26 episodes into one movie where it just relentlessly moves so fast that I that scenes start becoming incoherent of what happened previously. That fights get, half of a fight gets taken out. We're done. We're not watching this half of We're, this fight. We'll come in halfway. We'll walk in halfway through and finish it up. Don't worry. But with that, I have my spreadsheet for our next fate property we're going to watch. I have every single anime film short, and also, you know, regular series. Joe, what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? Ooh, a little prediction action. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we get forced into a corner, Steve. I'm hoping we get backed into a corner and we have to somehow in the next week find and watch Heaven's Field Part 3 Spring Song. 
Okay, let me just double check. Okay, I do have that in the running. Okay, so... Because before it was crossed out, like I had it on there, but I was like, okay, this is not fair. We, you know, if it's not out yet, or there's no possible way we can find it, but it's on there. So without further ado, I have set that random number generator, Wheel of Fate. Turn, turn, turn. Let us know the episode we shall endure. Whoa, this is a high number. Where is this? Is this set up right? No, it is. Okay. It is. Oh, God. Uh, I don't know where we're going to find it. Fake Grand Order Moonlight Loads Lost Room. Number four. Oh, is, this the, is this the movie? <laughs> is, this, the, the, is this the the interlude? This, between this is the interlude movie. Fake oh, Grand Order movie. Moonlight Lodestrom. You've been playing Fake I... Go. Are you interested in a movie property on this? Yeah, I'm nowhere near where this takes place, though. <laughs> is this going to be a... Uh, a spoiler? Major spoiler. Major spoilers. <laughs> we're going to get some mash Kyrielite. I don't, I, don't, I don't know where to find this at all. Pray for us, I listeners. I think it's on Crunchyroll. Is it? I think so. Fake Grand Order. So. Okay, so if I have this, Moonlight Road's Lost Room. It's on in my anime list. Oh, it is on Crunchyroll. Thank the gods. They smile upon us today. It is on Crunchyroll. How long is this movie? Yeah, I was about to ask. How long 30, is this movie? 32 minutes. It's not bad. Oh, okay. Wow. And it's not really rated well on Crunchyroll. And that's actually a bad sign, too. So these people have no taste. Listen, if you go on any property, like Funimation, Crunchyroll, everything's 5 out of 5, or like 4.5 out of 5. The moment something dips below that, that's when you're in deep, ter- deep shit territory. So <laughs> that means enough ones have penetrated the, the algorithm system to get this movie down there. So we are going to be seeing Lost. What, what, what is it again? What type of Lost Room? Moon, Fate Grand Order Moonlight slash Lost Room. Thankfully, only 32 minutes long. I have no idea what's going to happen in this. What's happening? At all. I'm sorry that you're going to get some spoilers, show. But with our assignment duly in hand, we come, of course, to our ever-rotating lists of The Waifu Watch and The Best Boy Bulletin, where one of us brings a character for the other's perusal, and we must place them into the definitive rankings of these anime characters. Steve, I believe it is your turn to bring someone to the table. Totally. So I've been thinking about this one because I've had this show a lot on my mind. We've actually talked about it recently, too. And with that as well, as customary as we typically do, I'm going to start reading the character synopsis and let you know if you can guess it. You definitely know who this character is, okay? This isn't some. I, I was thinking of bringing someone from Naruto, but then you know you're gonna be mad at me and I'm not understanding the character, and I'll be like, "Why don't you love Hinata? She's clearly the number one waifu. I don't know why." But then you know we'll have that conversation off camera. So with that, this character is very emotional and strong-willed, an empathetic person who puts all of her heart and effort into the things she does. Enthusiastic about machinery. Uh, okay. She's giddy the opportunity to interact and learn about such things. She's stubborn and straightforward, often calling out others on their weakness and delusions. She's a bit more tactful and honest than the other main character, but only displays the side of herself to her closest relation. Stout heart makes her difficult and dangerous choices very easily as long as they coincide 
with a strong sense of duty and morality. Who am I talking about? Is it Miss Rockbell? It is Winry Rockbell from Full Metal Alchemist or Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, if that is your perusal. She is the one who originally gives Ed his auto mail arm and leg and is always there able to help fix him up not afraid to uh, throw a punch and also tell ed as it is so i bring her the most undoubtedly significant character to edward elwick's uh relationship where are we putting winry rockbell on the waifu watch no no i i like winry i like winry quite a lot i do I like winry winry's, winry's a fantastic character We've kind of, I think we've kind of backed ourselves into a corner a little bit. Well, I think the first one is we have already another Full Metal Alchemist character on the waifu watch, Risa Hawkeye. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. She's not going above not Risa, Risa No, I agree with you. Not going above Risa Hawkeye. Risa Hawkeye is an angel that must be protected. We're not having... When we, when we rock bell, great character. Definitely above uh, Misa. <laughs> yes. I mean that's a low bar. That's a low bar, Lisa friends. Last? Oh no, Kathleen is last. Kathleen from Give You Hot Ivy. Come on, her definitely above Lucy from Fairy Tale. Yeah, my eye, my eye right now. I'll be honest, is hovering somewhere around the Vivi spot. The Vivi spot. Okay. Just don't know so, if I. I don't know. I don't know if it's above or below. Okay, so let's zero in on Vivi. Vivi's relationship with, who's right now number 11 on our list, with Luffy, do you think it's more or less impactful than what Winry does to Ed? Oh, I'd say, I'd say Winry is more impactful with Ed than Vivi is with Luffy. But that's a, I mean, it's a different relationship, of course. This is more of like a, I guess... I'm, I'm the way I'm slash romantic interest. They totally no. They totally have a romantic interest. I know yeah, it's they get married sister. by the end of Brotherhood, don't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They definitely have a uh, what was it the girl next door childhood friend that eventually like yeah they have to come together. It's like I'm always uh, if you remember the, the everyone's favorite movie, The Conqueror of Shambhala. I believe at the very end where he's like, I, I equal exchange. I'll give you a hat, like a, a stupid proposal. And okay, buy her a ring. All right. What are you doing here? You're giving up your, your, your dumb alchemy phrase where it's like your half of life of mine is like worth the same as your half of world. You, we, we together will be a whole, I don't know. I'm butchering it, but something like that. Cause it's cheesy as hell. Buy her a ring. Come on, or some you know a, a new set of tools. She'll love that too. She'll take 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 that as a wedding engagement ring. But uh, with that, interesting that we have it a like between also Miku and Ichika. Miku number ten, Ichika number twelve. Now I'm thinking, would I rather go on a date with Ichika or with Winry Rockbell? Probably Winry. I'd put Winry above Ichika. Ooh, okay, okay. But Vivi, you think Vivi brings more to the table? You know, Vivi no. More I was, me. I was saying that Winry was more impactful than than Vivi. I, I would maybe put her above Vivi. Above but below Miku. Miku for folks is number ten on our list from our quintessential quintuplets extravaganza. We rated all five of those wonderful girls on there. Uh you I know mean, that's the that's the conversation to have though. Is that um. 
I think she goes above Vivi. I think, you know, Winry has a much more impactful part in the entire story of of Full Metal, whereas Vivi is very important for kind of just one small part of One Piece. But I don't know. Do we want to put her above Miku? That's no. The, that's the no, you see, the reason I say no to Miku because I love Miku's bashfulness and her being, you know, so... I don't want to say nervous, but she, you know she's trying all that she can to try and, and showcase her feelings to uh, Futuro-kun. And she almost, you know, she's able to work up her courage at the at the end of season two and be able to confess her feelings with the help of her friends. Winry, at the same time, uh, I don't... Mm. I'm, I'm trying to. Th- I'm trying to remember because I'm thinking now Full Metal Alchemist and Brotherhood because they're literally separate timelines, and I don't know. I just like Miku more. I'm sorry. I'm gonna say it like that. I like Miku more, so I'm okay with Winry being our new number eleven. I'll take it. Okay. I'll take it. When we rock bell from Full Metal Alchemist. So to recap our top. 10 and including our number 11 list at number one on our waifu watch got misato kasaragi from neon genesis evangelion always forever in our hearts number two asana yuki from sword art online number three shoko nishima from a silent voice number four asuka from also neon genesis evangelion number five really proud that we have her up there nino from quintessential quintuplets then we have Rin, our next uh, Sinundre at uh, from Fate Stay Night at number six. Kalen Kozuki, number seven from Kogias. Risa Hawkeye, number eight, Full Metal Alchemist. Number nine, Mikasa from Attack on Titan. Number ten, Miku, we were just talking about from Quintessential Quintuplets. And our new number 11, Winry Rockbell, just above Vivi from One Piece. Strong list. Makes me proud every time I'm seeing it. I'm like, yeah, I can get behind this. I'll, I'll we put did in a that. approval. We did that. We did that. I'm coming for you next week, though, best boy. <sighs> oh, I, you're going to challenge baby. the king? It's time, wow. baby. Wow. Is it? Is it a character I know? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's time to bring out some of the big can't, You can't. You, we have to wait because... Our listeners may have one as well. Where can people find us, Joe? If you would like to submit someone, don't. If I swear to God, if you submit one for <laughs> yeah. next week and take this from me, I will freaking find you, and I will be dressed as JoJo when I do. So, with that said, you can find us at webweeklypodcast at gmail.com. Other than that, as that does bring us to the, another end of another episode of Weeb Weekly, Steve, where can people find you at? You can find me at SavePointCosplay on Instagram and at SaveCosplay on Twitter. And you can find me at JoeReeseVO on all social media platforms. And now, of course, we come to Steve's Hot Take, our customary ending where Steve gives you a hot take with zero context and zero explanation, and that is just the end of the show. So, without further ado, Steve, what's your hot take? 
I've been thinking a lot about Yu-Gi-Oh, just like how every average American does as well. And after seeing a few episodes of the show, I came to the conclusion there's no fucking rules to this card game. Okay, you have some... Ca- yeah, yo, I see your face. You have Yugi saying, like, I'm going to launch a catapult of this creature I put on the catapult to attack your floating castle for it to crash down and be able to take out your monsters on the field. There's no way in hell that's in a rule book at all that you're allowed to do that. I think you're making up as you go, Yami Yugi. Get it straight and stop cheating. Thank you and good night. <laughs>